You're listening to the Weekly Geekly, Omaha's counterculture podcast. To the Weekly Geekly, Omaha's counterculture podcast. Powered by Project Nerd. This week we've got a uh, very special guest in my mind. Um, in all of our minds. Don't be selfish. That's fair. Mm, thanks, you too. Come on. <laughs> a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Zameski. He, uh, he works a lot with uh, the archaeology department at UNO, where he is studying the field. Um, he's an all-around uh, good guy, nerd to the extreme, um, and I wanted to sit down with him and kind of nerd out about, like, archaeology Hell versus... Yeah. That's yeah. a new That's a new plane we haven't crossed before. Oh, yeah. yeah. This Some, is like, new grounds for the weekly geek. nerd stuff. I'm nervous. I don't know what to oh, feel. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is pocket protector oh, material. God. Oh, God. Niche nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very specialized field of nerdery. Mm, nerdery. It's very specific, you know? Right. There's not yeah. a lot of other Bring things. narrowing in. Yeah. Um, well, to get started, so, uh, we were actually kind of, we touched on it a little bit while we were setting up. Archaeology is not paleontology. No. Right? Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, as much as I'd like the idea of humans riding dinosaurs in the ancient past, I don't think it's going to happen as far <laughs> as what actually happened <laughs> in the world. Uh, so yeah, paleontology generally significantly older than anything archaeology deals with. Um, but it's probably the question we get asked most often is, oh, you're an archaeologist. Do you find any dinosaurs this week? And I just... Totally, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big ones. <laughs> really, really big, you know, spiky ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, and right on top of it was, was a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Nazis riding... Velociraptors, as we all imagine it to God, be. what a horrible world that could have been. I know. Well, maybe they time-traveled. Maybe they actually pulled it off. Hmm. Maybe. I don't want to think about this. <laughs> so, what's the big difference? Uh, so, the is big difference primarily just... being is that archaeologists mm. study humans. Okay. Um, and the garbage they leave behind, just the stuff, their physical remains. And uh, paleontologists study the... The remains of dinosaurs. More of an Indiana Jones, not really, you know, a Jurassic Park. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Grant, Jurassic Park, and, uh, yeah. Dr. Grant, paleontologist, Indiana Jones, archaeologist. Indiana difference. Jones. Clear difference. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever dreamed as a boy about having, like, an Indiana Jones-type adventure as an archaeologist? Yeah, I think... Uh, I'm just going to be the guy to say it. Most archaeologists I've ever talked to have... <laughs> Told me they're fed up with Indiana Jones, but I see the sparkle behind their eye. <laughs> I hate it, but I really want to be him. But if I could be him, oh. If I want to, I want to get chased by pygmies in the rainforest. God, what a war- horrible last movie, though. Let me just like go on a little tangent here. That was the worst Indiana Jones movie I've ever seen in my life. Like oh, the one with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah you're Did just you gonna have one? to. I've heard oh. horror stories, and I've seen. No, you know it was bad the whole way through. And then the the kicker, where they really just bent you over at the end of the movie, right before the credits flash, is he's like standing on this golden pyramid, reminiscent of Scorpion King type stuff, mm-hmm. and he's got the skull, and he's like, I see now. And then the symphony comes in, you know, all like, na 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 na, and he's like, their treasure, 
was knowledge. And I'm just like, fuck this show. This was the <laughs> dumbest thing in my life. Like, knowledge? That's what you almost died over? Fucking Shia LaBeouf swinging through the rainforest with monkeys? Like, That's your walk like away from this? Yeah. That was horrible. This but like, pyramid belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> everything up till then, I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool. I could semi-believe we, this, you know? <laughs> we, need to, we need to preserve wow. the sanctity of this pyramid. Airlifted to Washington, D.C. (laughs) Smithsonian needs a new sick city block. I really wish, like, Nick Cage would just pick up Indiana Jones and make, like, a stupid version of it. Oh. Because he's proven how, like, ridiculous he could be a national treasure. He kind of did. Yeah. He's, like, the new... You could say that. But he's a historian. He's not an archaeologist, technically. I mean, what would you think as the specialist here? You know, there's there's a lot of... uh, um, I guess with, as with any field, but there's a lot of interdisciplinary uh, conversations archaeologists have. So yeah. Historians who maybe deal primarily with, like, written documents are mm. often, I mean, they technically deal with material that would be considered archaeological. Yeah, so, so they're very, very in tandem of each other, working yeah. hand in hand. Um, so <laughs> historians, archaeologists, and geologists are probably, like, Maybe some some BFFs. Yeah. <laughs> or like I like to I like to imagine that like historians are like the Poindexters and archaeologists are like the bad boys. You know, they're like, God, I wish I could be out in the field, like digging through the well, dirt. <laughs> and, and if that's gonna be the uh, that's we're gonna go with that uh, that corollary. And sociologists would be like the emo friends. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, and geologists are like the hippie. Like scientists, they're like all about like you know. I want to know about the land, man. You know, (laughs) there's a professor that still works at UNO, I think, uh, University of Omaha, who actively teaches in flannel and sandals. So about as loose cut as you could get as a professor. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, he's a rad guy. That's Uh, cool. My own professor that I I was actually out on excavation uh, this last summer in Utah for about a month. And uh, my professor, Phil Geib, uh, <laughs> would dig in sandals. <laughs> he would, I mean, that or, that or bare feet. He's a guy that would like to also wear flannel and custom-made leather belts and... <laughs> Very uh, about his style. Brooches yeah. instead of, I don't know. He's just a... <laughs> just a character. <laughs> he's a character. <laughs> That's funny. The, um, okay, so I, w- I definitely want to touch on uh, some of your trips out uh in the field but let's go through so the archaeological path how does one become an archaeologist yeah that's a very good question zach (laughs) (laughs) uh for me it was literally uh me taking an intro to anthropology course and uh uh the professor that was teaching that course was moving through powerpoint slides Mm. and like through one of the slides, he pulled up, like, pictures of an excavation. He was like, and this is where I was last summer. Notice how you can see some hearth features here and this, and that's, you know, something Native Americans would have used to, you know, process food. And I was like, hold, hold, hold on. <laughs> Are you saying that this is, like, an actual dig and you were an actual archaeologist? And then... I, I didn't. You know, he got really class. mad. He's no. like, "Yes, I'm an actual archaeologist, you little punks." Yeah, that was the text box <laughs> above my head, but I didn't speak out loud. I literally followed him back to his office after class, though, and I yeah. was like, "Are you, are you going back out there? Are you still are you still working? Are you like are you still a real archaeologist?" He's like, "I, he's like, I got one." <laughs> and I was like, "Unpaid internship." <laughs> look, look, man, I will hold large leaves above your head, <laughs> and like. Spritz your face with water. You just want to be there. I can just go. And I think he appreciated my (laughs) unfiltered enthusiasm. That's awesome. Uh, So he let me tag along, and that's literally how I just I started on one dig, and that proved to be a really powerful connection through that professor. And then Mm. through him, I met others. And uh, so you just kind of like moved into the. Well, did you start? College with uh, as like a archaeology degree? Or no, just... I started as one of those emo sociologists. Uh, <laughs> I want to well, learn about people's behavior. Yeah. I just want to like, observe nah. people. People suck. I'm gonna learn well, about. Wait, that. Did you I want to observe sociologists or anthropologists. Uh, technically, my undergrad is in sociology with oh, a okay. concentration in anthropology. Gotcha. But I took, um, as will every archaeologist who wants to be one, uh, a field school in archaeology, which is. 
um, like a like a tradesman certification, essentially. It's a yeah. school that you take typically over one summer for a period of and anywhere between one and two months, and then you just kind of learn how to be a, a person that can dig instead of just loot, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of... So if you get that, you can be certified to work uh, as, like, an archaeological technician. Gotcha, gotcha. And be an archaeologist. And that's where you... So then you, like, shifted over to start, like, taking archaeology c- courses then... Yeah, so I started working for uh, Rob Bozell here at the uh, Nebraska State, I think it's called History Nebraska now, actually, but Hmm. it's the state's archaeological department here in Omaha, and they have one in Lincoln as well. And so uh, through him, I've also worked on quite a few other projects. Hmm. How How many digs have you gone on? And I don't know, like, probably between... 9 and 11 now. Mm. Favorite place and biggest discovery. Ooh. Uh, getting down to the juice. I'm getting down know. to the knit and grit. Yeah. So uh, one of the most interesting places I think I've excavated was a cave in Germany called Holofels. Oh, that sounds creepy. Yeah, it was neat. Um, it was... We don't go in the Holofels cave. <laughs> you don't talk about that cave. I don't know about any cave. <laughs> we don't have caves in Germany. Yeah. Go back to America. <laughs> Leave now. <laughs> Take your so. shit and get back on a boat. How are Germans America. about that? I'm cu- like, are, do they care that there's just, like, American people coming over and esca- excavating in their, in their land? Or are they, like... So that's, a, that's actually a really good question, and it kind of touches on a pretty big... See, I got a good question, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys both had good questions. Good stickers. Oh, <laughs> Don't fight over me. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's, uh, it's really where there's kind of a cultural shift between European archaeology and American archaeology, um, mm. especially if you go back in, to America's deep past, you're dealing primarily with, primarily with Native American mm. um, Context. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we have our historical colonial context, which is where white people came over and started interacting with Native Americans and build cities. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, it was um, just Native American cultures and the archaeology through there. But we have a, a very different relationship between our, archeo- our archaeology and uh, the way Europe sees its archaeology because it's their culture in Europe. People that live in Germany are living on top of German archaeology. Mm. Yeah. And it's been German archaeology all the way down, as opposed to, like, white people digging up Native American stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they connect with it more, I think, and I think can relate to it more easily. And that's my thought. I could be wrong. But that was my own observation. Mm. And as far as that's how that's manifested, like, they have huge passion for culture, like archaeology in general. They have mm. archaeology museums everywhere. Like, they're called, like, oh, I don't know. They're just, like, archaeology theme parks. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Like so you can, they're very accepting when you guys come over and do this. They're not like, all right, we're going to watch you do it. You know, like... Oh, they're very accepting. They're okay. very curious. I was, um, I was curious about how they take in foreigners that want to do this, because, you know... Very territorial. Hey, we have our own department. Get out of here. You know, I didn't know if there was any kind of jurisdictional. Oh, um, I'm sure there's some of that. Maybe, maybe at the department level. Yeah, but not so much where you guys are. Not so much on site. I was also working on a. The excavation at Hollowfells is. Um, well, Hollowfells Cave is a UNESCO World Heritage Site in its own right. Hmm. And so I was working with an international crew of people like. I was with maybe about 20 people from. Maybe 12 different countries. Oh, wow. So it was, it was extremely accepting of hmm. people from the Middle East, people from other places in Europe, a few fellow Americans. Uh, there was somebody from Japan. Oh, nice. So, yeah, they were not only accepting, they were enthralled. Like, we were working out of a tiny little village called Blomboyren, which maybe 1,200 people max. And, uh, like, we stayed in this little little village um, <laughs> it used to be, it used to be uh, an old person's home, and before that, it was a hospice. 
house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, like, my room had, like, cables in it. And then I was like, what's that cable? And they're like, oh, that's for if you fall on the floor, you can pull a cable. <laughs> oh, good to know. Because <laughs> that happens to old people sometimes. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's why all the sinks are so low, too. And they're like, you got it. You got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can sit in a wheelchair and wash my hands. You are a scientist. Look at you problem solving. But uh, yeah, Fucking like Americans. So we would actually have like some of the villagers drop by food mm. every week. Oh, like, that's cool. People would make jams and breads for us. And you guys were like rock stars. It was it was really really fun. And uh, yeah, it was they were extremely accepting of us hmm. there digging in their cave. So what do you like? Uh, what was the like the biggest discovery you personally had? Personally, in yeah. that cave, um, I think I discovered some ivory jewelry that dated back about forty some one thousand years ago. Whoa! Yeah, so that. So what culture would that have been in that region? Well, that's a really good question. Um, maybe an advantage we have here in at least early Native American archaeology, we can sort of trace back who is where and what was going on. It gets pretty fuzzy pretty quickly, but like 40,000 years ago, man. a lot of time. We have no, we have no names. Right. Yeah. Just trying to think about like what cultures were even at bloom 40,000 years ago, let alone European cultures. Well, right around. Vikings or, well, you know, like where are we at? It would have been a lot, lot, lot earlier than Vikings. Like we're talking about like periods of time where we're first starting to accept, like, anatomically modern humans. Wow. So this is, like, early, early Homo sapien type. Yeah. I mean, like, and we're making discovery recently that show back that modern humans extended back further than that. But, Mm. like, it's where we see human culture coming into play. The cave was first made famous for, um, it's famous for several reasons. It's famous, it has produced a ton of Venus figurines, Hmm. which are... Uh, for those of you who don't know what Venus figurine is, it's like one of those really round, um, large-breasted, uh, large yeah, like stomach. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like a fertility yeah. figure. Um, and big so, old, like big old pregnant lady with like tiggle bitties. Yeah, we got in however form that takes. Yeah, <laughs> the most healthiest of shapes <laughs> expressed in these figurines. Um, exactly. And yeah, so like. Finding one of those anywhere is amazing. They're always great. And this cave has produced like six of them. Wow. Not only that, like, I mean, they were making all sorts of crazy. Like, I found several beads as well made out of ivory, some ivory rods, which, if you can imagine, it's like a long, slender rod that would have probably connected to several others around a very, probably ornate necklace or wow. maybe like waist, hmm. waistband or something like that, like a waist kilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, the cave is also famous for producing, I think, to the best of my knowledge, it's the world's first instrument. It is, it's like a musical instrument? Like musical instrument. It's wow. a flute made out of... Um, bones? bones? Made out of swan bone. Yes! I'm glad he said bones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so the project lead that I was working under, one of the most amazing archaeologists I think I will meet was named Maria Molina, um, found these bones and I think made the made the observation that these were bones. And she had talked to other archaeologists, and they were like, oh, it's, it's too, too shattered, because it wasn't like an intact flute. Yeah. What they found was a bunch of little bone fragments. Oh, okay. And then she sat there and meticulously, like, dissolved the dirt away around it and, like, put it back together. And saw, Damn. like, she found indentations in it, and then, like, where finger grooves, like, would have smoothed away the surfaces. And so, like, hmm. pretty... Well and surely prove that this is like a 40,000-year-old flute. That's insane. And so, like, I mean, you have to imagine that drums probably existed before that. Yeah. But, like... So is any of your stuff in a museum right now or on display mm, or can I go see it anywhere? Maybe some of the stuff that we found in the desert this last year will end mm, up in yeah. some small museum outside of Utah, Boulder, That's maybe. That's cool. But yeah, we found a lot of neat stuff. Yeah. That's got to feel accomplishing, you know, like... Something you discovered is now on display at a legitimate museum. That's pretty much Indiana Jones, people. Like it's, it's more likely gonna end up in a box. Yeah, still pretty cool. That's fine. But it's it still is in a documented. Museum. It is documented. It's documented and it's sitting in a box in a museum. <laughs> the uh, that's one of the things. So I've known you for a long time, and that's one of the things that has intrigued me the most about this entire process is that, like, the level of 
just the mountain of shit that we have. The like little fragments of pottery. Like everything that's dug up in these sites, it's so, like we only display the great stuff. In yeah. like, in a giant building that is a museum, there's 10 times that more space just filled with one tiny little piece of rock that's kind of curved in a certain way and was discovered to be part of a pot. They like literally just looks like a rock on the ground. Um, so they document it, learn from what they learn, what they learn from it, and they put it in a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the majority of our knowledge sits in a box. That's crazy. Um, it's true. I mean, for good reason. There's. It's also a problem. Like we're coming. Like there is a problem in museums where we're just running out of space. Mm. Like, because like you said, like for everything we do display, like just imagine how much, like, I don't know, broken shit that we've amassed over the years. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of what we find is found in like trash mittens, which is just garbage piles. <laughs> yeah. Far enough away from behind where the average dude sitting on a rock is just chucking shit behind his back. Like, <laughs> uh, and so like, I mean, sure, we might find some pots and some really neat stone tools. It'd be amazing, especially... Mm-hmm. You know, in the Southwest, we find there's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of pottery. Um, but yeah, like, you have to come to a decision where, like, we don't, we have one, give, say the average museum has, like, just a big basement. Yeah. Part of that is going to be dedicated to archaeological storage. Hmm. But that's going to fill up pretty quick, especially if you're, you know, doing a dig every year. Yeah. So, like, where does it go? You have to argue that it's going to be important to somebody sometime. Mm, we yeah. may not be able to make discoveries about, you know, what culture used it, what they were hunting. It's like, I don't know. It's, science moves pretty quickly, and we don't know what we're going to be able to learn from whatever yeah. 10 years from now. So, like, you can make a really good argument that you should keep it around and let... Right. F- people further down the line with instruments we haven't even thought of yet to have a crack at it. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, it's like, just... where are you going to put it? Yeah. Where do we keep it? And how do well, we decide what's important now? How do we decide what's going to be important? In the meantime, it's just shit. It's kind of like... Filling uh, boxes, and it's piling up pretty quick. It, it Coming from Omaha, and I'm sure other places uh, have this have this internal debate, with their populations as well. But like in Omaha, we have a really lively discourse on what to do with historic buildings. Um, Tear them down, usually. Yeah. I mean, what ends up happening is they get torn down. <laughs> but in the process, somewhere. there's a lot of people that go, they get pretty heated going back and forth on like, do we tear these buildings down? Do we keep them around? Do we repurpose them? Um, well, yeah, that's the, and that's the whole argument that's at the core of, like, Omaha's downtown. Like, we used to have yeah. this huge... I think it was called Jobber's Canyon. Yeah, yeah, it was, and like, a big... I think it was just, a, like, a warehouse district? Yeah, it was just a massive warehouse yeah. district. It was called Jobber's Canyon, I think, because it just employed so many people. Mm-hmm. And then ConAgra came in, and then... You know... It, Omaha, from what I know about this story, was stagnating at that point. There wasn't a lot of new businesses coming yeah, downtown and Cognagra yeah. was like, like, hey, downtown huge exactly business. Like blown up at that point. Yeah, yeah. Massive influx of jobs. You got a choice. Cause yeah. we want to build a campus downtown, but we don't want all these ugly old buildings. And then Omaha was just like, you know, we yeah. like these old buildings, but we also like people having jobs. Yeah. And so, you know, made the made they made the choice to and tear them down. Yeah, I mean, like, I can see, I can see why the decision was made. Uh, I think if we had, I mean, it's kind of having your cake and eating it too, but if we had been able to just snapshot, like, 10, 15 years into the future and be like, yo, these, these old buildings are gonna go for a premium Yeah, we're gonna on. be able to turn these like, into $3,000 $3, Yeah, it's gonna like, turn back around and people are gonna love this shit. Yeah. Um, Turns out weird brown big brown brick buildings yeah. popular in the 70s and 80s are, are gonna look like ass yeah. <laughs> like 10 years from now and everybody's gonna fall back in love with old brick. Yeah. And then and Omaha just went, Ugh. 
<laughs> I mean, I, get, I, I understand why the decision was made. Whether it was a good decision or not, I understand the process that went into making it. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, it sucks. We tore down a bunch of cool buildings. We did, but yeah. Who knows if Omaha, the successful part of downtown, would be successful at all if it hadn't been to Conagra. I don't think right. we'd be able to figure that out. I know. Yeah, that's the, that's the big catch-22. And then yeah. it's like, you go back to... That's history in general. Like, when you want to keep historic things around, you... It almost, as odd as it sounds, it almost comes down to to doing a... Um, who's that lady on Netflix that, that like, <laughs> organizes things? Like, uh, uh... You gotta, you gotta, like, look at your things, put it in your hand, and be like, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me joy? And, and can not, I see it bringing me joy in the future? <laughs> um, I don't know. Old Maria Kondo, that's who it is. Maria Kondo. <laughs> you just have to like Kondo human history and <laughs> be like, what Kondo. are we gonna do with this? Ask the city of Omaha what you wanna keep. Yeah. What you gonna toss. <laughs> Does yeah, this I bring you joy? Thank it for bringing you joy. <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, so like, you have mountains of, of like shards of pottery. They literally, the person that made it was like, I value this literally just enough to pee in. Yeah. Like, I'm going to pee in this so I don't have to pee in my house. And then I'm going to throw it away and I don't care what happens to it. Yeah, definitely and in some And we're cases. looking at it like, this is gold. This yeah. is gold. Like, they yeah. made some legitimately beautiful art pieces. Like, right, like, right. There are cultures that, like, not like a, like the Anasazi pottery and, I don't some other, what's the name I'm trying to think of right now? They invest these beautiful designs in pots, so they cared mm-hmm. about them. But, uh, yeah. What are we talking about pot for? We're talking about... Different, different kind of pot. Oh, okay. Sorry. Got sidetracked. Pot yep. is useful. It is. <laughs> is, it, is it as useful as pots, in your opinion, as an archaeologist? I don't know. What are you using it for? Which one? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Pot or pots? Because pots could be used to hold pot, but it's pot true, is arguably More. maybe as but you I can't don't know. But if we it's didn't have pots, un- how would we eat soup? Depends on right. how much you gain right. from the pot. You've made a yeah. again. Are we talking about the pot or the pots? Well, pots are pretty useful. <laughs> you can store all sorts of stuff in them. Yeah. But if you figured some stuff out because of pot, learn something about yourself, that's a valuable which, lesson. Yeah, man. which one is the useful one? You smoked the pot and learned to make the pots. Right? Yeah, that's true. Or did you end up smoking the pot because now you could put it in pots and dry Pot-ception it? Potception 2019. Right? Yeah. Which I don't know where we are anymore. <laughs> no, um, no, the old... Stuff that's that old really, really tickles my mind in a good way because, um, like, uh, you, you brought back, uh, this big chunk of obsidian and you had learned how to like flint nap, like in the old style, like the Ooh, original oh style yeah. of making arrowheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's badass. And that's, the fact yeah. that people have been so intelligent for so long and like figured shit out <laughs> in such interesting ways with so little resources. Yeah, I, I love learning about that shit. Kind of makes you feel humans. lazy, yeah. you know? Like a little bit. Yeah. Like I think back to my time in the Boy Scouts, and I was like, man, I felt like fucking Paul Bunyan or mm-hmm. Tom Sawyer, one of these guys just figuring out life. And then you get older and you don't do any of those things anymore, and you're like, I need my phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, where's my phone at? <laughs> you have to imagine they were being clever so they could be lazy. Yeah. Not much has changed. That was the motivation behind it. So don't, yeah. they're not heroes, people. <laughs> I mean, they're clever. They made some really amazing stuff, but I'm sure they were just like, if they had a phone and, you know, I'm, I'm sure they would have. ruin our history <laughs> to go back and give them a phone and see how lazy they would have been with it. Like, yeah. I was watching a show and someone time traveled back to try and kill Hitler but dropped their phone and failed and then he got the technology and they went back to the present and now when the Nazis, you know, won the war. It's just like, man, imagine being able to go back in time to any culture in any society and then just give them this advantage and see the world change in their image. Like, yeah. That would be nuts. Go back in time, steal some dinosaur eggs. Dear you know, God. That's how they got the technology is that yeah. asshole to drop the phone. <laughs> <laughs> They use that as a, as a footstep, launched decades ahead of us, got some raptor eggs. Mm-hmm. 
It was all over from there. That's how that turned <laughs> Raptors into World War Three. Yeah. <laughs> the Fourth Reich. Raptor Krieg. <laughs> oh, God. How badass would that have been? That would have been, well... Terrifying. If we Terrifying. still won, but they had Raptors. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Allowing us to that still win... That would have been the greatest generation. In this thought experiment, I will allow that Raptors would have been fucking amazing. You wouldn't have been able to argue that. You'd be like, yep, j- greatest generation ever. You guys beat Raptors you, and Nazis. You truly <laughs> are. <laughs> Unarguably and for all time, the greatest generation. But, uh, but no, to go back to like the ancient tools and, and stuff like that, it's, it's crazy to me the, the level of technology... And the thing, the knowledge that we had as a species way before we commonly think of us having this kind of knowledge. Like we understood when you're, when you're going through like, like napping a, a piece of obsidian, we understood that a blade in one direction doesn't hold its edge as long as a blade in the other direction. And then we understood how to, f- how to make like a, Bi- what did you what did you call it? Like a bifold? Oh, so um, on most arrowheads, um, projectile points, is, I guess they're called <laughs> by archaeologists, uh, are typically what are called bifacial, meaning they have two faces. There we go. I, was, I kept wanting to say bifold. <laughs> yeah. Don't get mad bifold. about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so something like like a scrape would be like a monoface, which means it's only been. Uh, kind of modified on one side. Yeah, and so like, like angled to an edge on one side. Angled to an edge on one side, which is it's a quick tool to make, it's easy, it can also, you know, serve phenomenally well for cleaning the hide off a deer. Right, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, but something like a biface has two faces. It's been worked on both sides, which kind of makes it strong in two directions, which is something you want as it's mm. traveling through the air. And into flesh. Yeah. Into the... The haunch of a, an elk or something. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I want to bring him to parties. Can we just start bringing oh, him to parties? Like, parties. seriously, I want to, like, I want to play beer pong with, like, a bunch of people, and everyone's all drunk and being stupid, and then he's just like, hey, guys, did you know? And, like, I just want, I want to pay you to do this. Just open up these lines of, like, in early Greek civilization. <laughs> and then just start this amazing journey that, like, no one expected to happen. Do mm-hmm. it. I would like to Do tell you guys it. about pots. <laughs> Which one's more important? No. Archaeologists are some of the nerdiest people you'll ever meet. So awesome. It, You're in the place to be then, because that's all yeah. we do right the, now. We just nerd out about everything. They have the oh, weird the, hobbies, like archaeologists freak out about replicating pots that they find, replicating mm. stone tool technologies, and, uh, I don't know, uh, cordage. Just like making things out of plants and making their own rope. Mm. Dude, that, any, any random archaeologist you meet will have some weird skill set, I almost promise you. The, uh, the YouTube channel Primitive Technology is such a fucking time sink. Like, to watch that it. man go out into the woods. Have you, have you seen Primitive Technology, Mikey? Mm-mm. Okay, so there's this guy in Australia, and he goes out into the woods. I already like it. And it's nothing. He's so got, he wears a pair of cargo shorts. Mm. And he has a backpack mm. full of camera gear. It's accurate for the period. So, <laughs> right, yeah. a new age Bear grills, but for real. Kind of. Um, he doesn't make any pretense that he's, like, surviving out there. Okay, okay. He's like, just like, I this think, is me. Yeah, yeah I think okay, if you, good. if you like, dig into it even a little bit, I think he's, he tells you, he's, like, on his friend's property. And he yeah. only goes out during the weekends. Okay. Very um, controlled setting, everyone. I'm not trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what he's doing is he's going out and he's like, from nothing, I will make something. And so over the course of these videos, you can, like, and he doesn't speak to you. He just, like, in the description of the video, writes out what he did in that video. Awkward. And then in the video, he just does it. So one okay. rock leads to yeah. So production a rock value clearly is not... Oh, he just puts a camera on Yeah, okay. That's great. Okay. So he ends um, up with a rock. The fact that it's this captivating really makes me curious, though, so... Oh, yeah, it's... So he goes out and he, yeah, he grabs like a rock and he's like, I'm going to take this rock and I'm going to take, I'm going to use it to make this other rock into like a hammer shape or like a axe ish shape. Yeah. And then I'm going to use these plants to tie that to this stick. And then I'm going to use that to cut down this tree. And I'm going to do that a couple times to make a better axe to cut down more trees. Then I'm going to make a house. And he, by the end of this fucking series of videos, he has like a reinforced it's not even a mud hut. It is like a legitimate 
wooden house reinforced with uh, like adobe and he has a forge and he's making like iron nails. What the fuck? Like, yeah. And <laughs> he's awesome. grown, he has, like, he has like a tiny garden on the side that he has grown crops out of. This guy yeah, is marching the, through the copper, bronze, and oh, age yeah, of iron. Yeah. This guy is like the mental equivalent to the kid who played Minecraft for nine years and mm-hmm. completely did Middle Earth, like the entire yeah. map. Well, I mean, he has the advantage. Down to the inches. Those are the people that are like... They think of mm. it like that. It's like a puzzle to them. Me, I'm just freaking out and going, where the fuck's my phone? <laughs> like, well, like, still in the woods. Like, how do I get my phone back? He has I, a crazy advantage of all the knowledge we know. You know? <laughs> you ever yeah. see those videos like, of guys in other countries that just make, like, giant pools in one day? And they don't use any tools. They just dig with their hands and make, oh, like... Oh, yeah. And then yeah. make a reservoir for water to yeah. run in where they can use it to make bricks out of this clay. And then they do yeah. all this stuff. And then by the end of it, they've actually, like... Got it to be an actual pool, just made out of clay. And That's excellent. Like, Dear God, I want to be this person. <laughs> yeah, the the level of technology, well, I don't want to say technology, the level of knowledge that yeah. we have, that we have possessed as as humanity for the length that we've possessed it is insane. Well, they have those, what do they call the, uh, the ancient batteries in, like, Persia? Oh, uh, the, the batteries of Baghdad? Yeah, Baghdad batteries. Well, with that knowledge, it's like, absurd to me because then you look at the lifestyles we're living and you look at the way society is set up from the brick and mortar and you're kind of like, man, that blows. We could just go live in the fucking woods and figure it out and do it better and live for free and do all this the, stuff. Like, you always have that, like, right, early that 20s is, like, romantic fantasy where you're like, yeah. I could get yeah. 50 people together and buy a commune on Colorado mm-hmm. land and do all this stuff and we'll be self-sufficient and everyone will have a role. Now, well, of course, 90% of those people would just pack up and leave after a week and be like, do it yourself. But yeah. well, and that's the, and there's a hot. lot of negatives to that <laughs> living scenario oh. as well. Oh, but, like pooping off a log. Dude, if you could, if you had that many people with that constitution that would plan it out and do it, you could do it, well, but it would the, just suck ass. That's the, <laughs> that's kind of the, the thing that brings it, that grounds it in reality in my mind, is that it wasn't that the people were super special back mm-hmm. in the day. It was, they didn't have an option. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, that's how you survive. Yeah, they could figure stuff out, but... Trading for stuff they didn't have. Mm-hmm. It, like they shit in the woods because they had to shit somewhere. You know, you know Not how we save society. There's also nothing wrong with shitting in the woods. You know how we save society. <laughs> we do a three hundred <laughs> Spartan thing where mm-hmm. for the first like thirteen years of your of your boyhood, you're sent to just live in the woods. Like fucking Leonidas, and then you kill the giant wolf, and you get to like deserve your place in society as like a fifteen-year-old man. Yeah, that's what we do. We just cut you off. You don't even know the internet exists until after you're like sixteen years old. Like when you can learn to have a car. It's like your brain is not fully developed, but you've earned your place as a human. <laughs> like, yeah, we should start doing that as we a society. Would have Instead of like Spartanism, I mean, you wouldn't be able to do that. Like, what did you do? I know. It'd be I made a car <laughs> for a civilization. I have. Produced Produced a car with my own hands. No, you just prove that you can survive as an adolescent in the woods. I think that would be the ultimate badass test. I do think. I do think it, it would suck ass. There is value in going out and understanding that, and understanding like the necessity of survival, like actual moment to moment survival. Yeah, man. That's and why I play like, Red Dead. No. Like, uh, <laughs> God. No, that's worse. It's probably it is probably easier to survive in the uh, desert than it is to survive on fucking multiplayer yeah. games. Yeah. Um or running your horse into solid objects. That's so much God. fun. I've seen you do that a lot. We need I jumped a on a horse, like jumped on it and was like, yeah, and then like slammed into a tree. Yeah. Bring this horse into other people and we spin. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that you can still lasso it. Well, so it's it's valuable to learn that <laughs> to get that sense of survival. Mm. Just like it's valuable to go out and see other cultures and yeah. the way other people live. Just to yeah. have context. Well, it's it's the best way to have an even clear view. Yeah. Because if you don't expose yourself to other cultures, societies, ways of thinking, you don't challenge your own view of anything. Then yeah. you're just. A very well, sheltered person that knows one specific yeah. thing. Trying to describe your like you Why limit yourself? Yeah. You know? Why like limit you your go, understanding? You gotta go try everything right. under the sun. But if you don't have any kind of context, it's really difficult to say I am for or against this idea. Yeah. 
And it becomes a, a notion less about your ideas and more about, like, what you have focused on it and chosen yeah. as, like, a comfort. You know, it's yeah. less about morality and more yeah. about, like, I don't know. I don't even know what that would be about. I, to be honest, like, I, I can't ever... I'm not the type of person, like, I don't like to sit in one place. I can't... My brain doesn't function like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've gone out and seen a, a shit ton of different cultures, even in my young childhood, because I was kind of forced to, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. I think... It's kind of like shoving you in the pool as a kid. Yeah. You're going to be the kid that holds on to the wall your whole life, or your dad's going to be like, chugging his beer, but fuck it, and just <laughs> chuck you in the deep end and go, hope he swims, and mom's going to freak out, but then you learned how to swim, and now you go, you know, now you can Time do it. to swim mm-hmm. in the deep end, boy. Yeah. The, there's, a, it's, yeah, it's pretty common sense to be like, oh, I'm not going to, this person doesn't have any context to say why they don't like this type of person or this idea or this approach to something. Like, yeah, it's really easy to say, I don't, I don't value their opinion because they don't have any context. I also find it really hard to value someone's opinion when they say they support something if they don't have a wide body of context Mm. to approach that with. Like, if you say this is good... Why is it good? Yeah. Like, just, you gotta explain it the same way you gotta explain why something's bad. Mm. You can't make decisions in a cultural vacuum. You have to understand why other cultures make decisions the way they do. Yeah. It's getting very heavy. It's getting very, like, Tyler Durden-y over here. You know what I mean? How many layers down? We're breaking through the the foundations. You say we're getting mad. Maybe, like, (laughs) two and a half. I don't know. (laughs) We're we're getting, like, a third of the way into his mind. (laughs) We're deep deep diving into the incepted mind of Matt. Mm, monster but, energy drinks right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can tell your leg was like shaking out earlier when you were nerding yeah. out, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's having a nerd gas." Right mm-hmm. No, yeah. Oh, it was all those great oh, questions I had. You know? Nerd. You only had one. It's okay. I mean, you've known him for Sometimes so long. Sometimes you only need one to get the job done. Well, like, apparently not, because he was nerd all over the place. I had multiple good questions, but it's yeah. not a big deal. It's not about who had better <laughs> questions or why. It's just about the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and better questions. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to ask better questions. Dear God. Uh, well, um, I'm sure that there's like a mountain of other stuff that we could talk about in the context of archaeology and human history. Mm, bottomless. I, I know one questions. thing we should talk about. I know we were going to leave it for another episode. But to be honest, I don't think there's much out yet to even make an episode. But I think we should kind of talk about what we know about the boys. Okay. You guys down? No, yeah. I assume you watched it, right? You guys have the Amazon Primes? Mm -hmm. I've watched all of it, read most of it. Money bags over here. You've read most of it? Mm -hmm. No shit. I'm only kind of cracking into the first, you know, volume here. And like I was, uh, we were kind of discussing this earlier. A long time ago. Is, Is very. The only problematic thing for me is it just didn't read well. It was a very slow read. Very dense and slow. And I was like, all right, there has to be all this exposition to set it up. I get it. But I don't know. I was a couple of issues, I guess you would say, into it. And I just kind of had to put it down to be honest. Yeah. It is uh-huh. It is dense. Mm. I would say denser than most most. Comics, yeah, you really have to sure. find the concept right yeah. at the beginning. Like, yeah. Oh, and I do. It, when they, it's just so much setting up, I just kind of want to skip ahead a little bit, which is horrible to say, but I'm used to a certain pacing with right. different comic books. And yeah, the voice does not have the same pacing. Yeah, it's Vertigo, right? Vertigo puts uh, it out, I'm pretty sure. Image, wasn't it? No, was oh, it Image? That's a good question. I think, well, either one. They, no, wait, both. was it Dynamite? I think it was Dynamite. I think it was Dynamite, yeah. Dynamite. Yeah. What? Which part are you talking about? The boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, what comic uh, company makes it? I think it's Dynamite, actually. I think it is. Dynamite. That's Megan Monster for everybody. She's been down here yeah. hanging out, just she's just chilling, using up our badass couch in the studio. Yeah. Hey, someone's got to use it. That thing's awesome. Just taking it? up couch space without paying rent. But no, I, I thought you were talking about the part. Um, oh God. Where the who's the uh, hero that goes invisible? Oh, um... Translucent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Translucent. translucent. Yeah. I was thinking about, what was it, like, the second or third episode? Hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where they turtle him? They what? They, they turtle, turtle him. What, what they tell me? Turtle Translucent. What does that mean? Okay, the, the... So, preface. 
preface. Matt is a big no spoilers guy. Mm. I don't know. Oh, it depends Matt. on the context. This, Matt, this show, that's the worst. One hundred percent spoilers. That's fine. Oh, oh Matt, which is fine. <laughs> which is fine for this context because he's seen the whole. Yeah, I'd be the, I would be the like, spoiler. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna be the spoilers. We I just want to get you mentally Okay, well that's fine. As long as that disclaimer's moment. Yeah, I don't know. So he's not a character that existed in the books. He didn't exist in the books. No, translucence. I can't remember. I can't remember who the original seven are <clears throat> in the comics. I uh, know that they did have. They had the Homelander. They have Queen Maeve. They have uh, Starlight comes up. Yeah. They have the Deep. Um, they have Torchlight Black instead Noir of and Torchlight. Torchlight yeah. is in the books. The Lantern Lighter or whatever his name is. Lamplighter. Lamplighter yeah. is in the show. Yeah. He's new, but kind of reminiscent of Torchlight. Yeah, it's kind of the same. They had yeah. Jack, Jack from Jupiter. Oh, yeah. In the books. Hmm. Who's a dude that, I think he says Carpo or something like that, and he can become, like, invincible. Dope. Huh. Yeah. He Did looks... they do that scene where Simon Pegg's wife died? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. was that visually? In, in a, like, almost shot for shot. Fucking. Like, just like the panels? She... Oh, well, it was so well done. Yeah. yeah. Was... She, in the comics, they're in a park. Yeah. In like and a he's park. actually fighting. A Train is fighting. That's the other guy, A Train. Yeah. And, and they're. A Train is fighting somebody. Yeah. And they, like, paced her in the process of the fight. Mm-hmm. In the books, right? Exactly. Yeah, in the yeah. comics, because it's happening at, yeah. like, super speed. Yeah. He's not, like, running down the street. Mm but I mean, it's the same. They, they do the they same thing to her. Yeah, yeah oh, they're good. like they're circling in yeah. each other's arms. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how it is in the books. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like swinging her around, and yeah. then he just literally like you can't even tell if the guy just ran into it, but it looks like he got punched and then like flew through the air super fast and squashed yeah. her into the wall. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then yeah, gets up and he's just like still staring at the wall, holding her dismembered. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my god, I want to see this live. She's jelly. She's... Oh, yeah. It's it's done very well in the show. So, you would say that the show makes it kind of come to life more than the book? Uh, One of those exceptions. I really love the books. Okay. I mean, the books definitely, like you said, it's a little thick, but it definitely goes for the long-form storytelling. Okay. Yeah. It has a lot of different facets, Mm -hmm. which ultimately come to play at some point. I mean, it... Yeah. It's a story that takes time to develop. I would suggest you stick with it. But cool. it's, That's it's a good far, recommendation. I mean, like, if you're used to, like, I don't know, the first four panels and just, like, explosions, action, movement, 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 it's, yeah, it's, it's maybe something you're not going to be used to. It's not a whole lot of that. Despite being about superheroes, like, fucking up things all over. Yeah. <laughs> It's not actually a whole lot of action. There's not, like, many superheroes. I mean, it's just a different premise. The premise is more like what happens when you have these people with superpowers and they're they're not raised. Yeah. They're just, like, they're They're introduced into the world. They're... Yeah, people can't tell them no. Yeah, they are the yeah. boys. You can't say shit to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, because they're well, that's what the, yeah, yeah. the boys. Yeah. That's why they exist. Yeah. They're the one <laughs> faction that can tell these, these just like, like juvenile children. Yeah. children with monstrous superpowers. <laughs> the only people that can tell them no. And that's that's, yeah. kinda, that's the whole premise. It's such a crazy premise though, because it's like you're taking the power away from superheroes and just giving it to these people. Yeah. The the literal power of being not being able. To have anyone to tell you what to do, you're just being like, okay, if we give it to these like shifty ragtag pieces of shit, mm-hmm. maybe they'll just keep doing this job because I assume they have dirt on them and stuff. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I mean, you kind of have to to have all, these people under your belt. All man. Motivated. Everyone in the boys is motivated. That's good. to keep superheroes under control. I mean, as far as right, like Simon Pegg's character obviously has a yeah. prime um, motivation. He's a person that eventually gets dirt under mm. his nails and yeah. kind of develops a seedy past. Yeah. That's cool. By the story beginning, I mean, like... I'm yeah. a really big fan of like, the Butcher. I like him. His yeah, whole attitude, yeah. his, like, demeanor. I love characters like that that kind of make the, the narration you know, co- like so color up So I was really surprised in the casting. Mm. Um, seeing as the character in the book... Uh, Wee Huey is literally based off of Simon Pegg to the yeah. point where their first trade paperback Simon Pegg writes a foreword and yeah. it's like this character's based on me right um yep. and then they didn't cast Simon Pegg and they cast Jack Quaid I just think by the time the show came to fruition Simon Pegg had aged out of the role yeah that's the only thing yeah. I think wasn't he uh, like his dad yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg plays his dad so he's still just actually a really good yeah yeah they're still giving an homage to the original character that's cool 
Yeah. That's important, you know, especially when pe- people, like, value this content so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have any fans, you got to at least do an homage if you're not going to include yeah. something. I would say the show respected the comic a That's lot. That's good. It's rare oh, yeah. to see that, um, really. But I was going to say, in terms of casting, uh, I was surprised that I like Carl Urban so much as Butcher. Oh, and considering of, that we live in a world where Vinnie Jones exists, yeah, Vinnie Jones who played <laughs> Bullet Tooth Tony, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, how I don't know. That's who I had in my head. I don't know. Yeah, Mother's Milk could have been many people, maybe like Ving Rhames or something like that. Yeah, the um, I mean, the guy that they got, the, everyone, all of the characters were cast very well. Yeah. Um, I just try, I'm trying. I to didn't have it. anyone specific in my head for like Mother's Milk, so I wasn't as well. Like, when the comics upset. came out, I think Ving Rhames was. Still a younger man. I think so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah like... It's it's hard to say. Like, Simon Pig. Simon Pegg, definitely Wee Huey. Yeah. Vinnie Jones. Yeah. Definitely could um, have fit in for... I would not have butcher, seen but. the guy they got to play the Frenchman, to, to play Frenchie. I would not have seen him, that actor, in the role, but he fits. He fits... I mean, he pretty much embodies the character... Oh, yeah, he's in the, um, in the female. Yeah, the female. I mean, Grant doesn't fine. have to do much. I mean, she has. She looks the part. I've never yeah. seen such a character that looks the freaking part. Hmm. Yeah. She's amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, it's... I, uh, I do secretly hope that in a later season we get the Frenchie's background and there is baguette jousting. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen, haven't read the books and... I don't know, I just want to remember that... <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, Huey's finally getting, like, the background stick on all the characters and has this, like, really serious conversation with the butcher and Mother's Milk. And uh-huh. It's heavy, super like, dense. Like, Mother's Milk has such a, like, traumatic backstory. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's a hard read. Like, you find out that he's one of the only... You find out he's the only member of the boys that has been born to superpowers. Yeah. Like, his mother was working in a factory that was bought by Vought, and it was, like, getting... Con- mm-hmm. Like, a product they were working, whatever, was getting contaminated by, like, this oh, by really... Compound V, or... Kind of tainted batch of, like, unfiltered Compound V, and it was just... Yeah. Essentially just, like, I don't know, like, lead in the water. Yeah. For well, I mean, it's, it's like, oh, I was exposed to radiation, and then I was born a superhero, but reality. Like, yeah. Like, it'll... it'll Fuck up your whole family. <laughs> well, it was like, well, the way they described it in the books, it was like Agent Orange. It's like, yeah. sh- you ingest this shit, and then your offspring are going to be born with, like, stumps on your forehead and just, like, horrific mutations yeah. if you're born at all. Yeah. Except for, like, you know, maybe one in several million, which happens to be the case for Mother's Milk. Mother's yeah. Milk, but he's got his own the, problem, too. The, uh, but then you, you learn Frenchie's backstory... And it is this 100% like fabricated. It's completely like a fable. Yeah. It has meaning and intent, but it's not true. It's a, it's, it's given to Huey in like metaphor where he's like back from the war and he's walking through this like idyllic French little village and (laughs) is, is apparently everybody's leaning out of the window and waving him back home and he's just like, like, oh, welcome back from the, like he's coming back from World War II or something. He's coming back from, like the vicious, most heinous parts of World War Two, and like, yeah, <laughs> he's marching down this French street with like a stick and bindle on his back, just like yeah. smiling, yeah. And, and like the classic like striped shirt and like a beret. Yeah, yeah. You find out that his his girl has been stolen by his childhood rival. Yeah. And in order to win her back, he challenges his rival in the. <laughs> And the what I think they call the festival of Saint Duhon, <laughs> which involves jousting on a bicycle with a baguette. And so, like, without getting into details, that gets that eventually leads to his father's horrible death. Yeah, like physically heinous death. It's like this pretty little neat story until his father, like Frenchie, he. He won't, he won't fight in the he won't well, fight he, in the festival. He's like I, I his father ends up being impaled by a baguette or something like that. Well, like yeah, like he's like no, father, I cannot fight. I've just come back from the war and I've taken oh. a vow to never hurt another man. I will never raise arms against another fellow human. And his father's like, well, you are no longer my son. You <laughs> yeah. no longer have honor. I will fight in your stead to redeem the family name. Oh yeah. And like 
when they're jousting, Frenchie's childhood rival, like, puts a stick in the dad's bicycle spoke oh. and, like, trips over the bike and, like, impales himself in a mangled pile <laughs> of metal. Oh. And so, like... <laughs> Like, it just gets bloody and sad oh, quick. But, like, in the most ridiculous manner. Yeah. Like, everything else has been, like, violent and gritty and gory in, like, a very... I hesitate to say serious, but, like, a very uh, non... Not for comedic effect. And all of the violence in Frenchie's backstory is for comedic effect. Yeah. It's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think one of the final panels of yeah. his backstory is like he's he's well, rammed like a string of garlic through his childhood nemesis. Like, man. oh yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. he's like strung a string of garlic through his fucking sphincter and out of his mouth and like yeah. hangs him like up hangs on his him. head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they they do allude to that in the first season where Frenchie in the first season, uh, like Huey comes out of the apartment after having that blow up with his dad and. Uh, Frenchie is like, ah, yes, my father one time tried to smother me with a Hello Kitty pillow. (laughs) (laughs) And just, like, looks at him like, I have told you this story. We have connected. And then walks away. Yeah, now Huey has to (laughs) process what that that all means. (laughs) So, like, they get, yeah, they get it fairly well. Yeah. Um, It's, I don't know, it's definitely, like, you read... Um, any Marvel comic, you're gonna see, you know, superheroes fight against villains in like mm. dramatic combat. But like, yeah. and there is some of that. But it's it's definitely more of the interaction between like, what happens when you have somebody with superpowers that mm. no longer sees people as people. Mm. Yeah, like he does not respect them as. Yeah. Just like they're there's like they call them meat bags. Yeah, on like, a regular basis. Superheroes frequently relate to you know people like you and I. It's just like sacks of like meat that can just accidentally explode at any minute. Mm-hmm. And just like they just they don't see us as people. Society can't tell them no. Mm-hmm. Like I think I mentioned like for Homelander, they've mm-hmm. tried every weapon in the modern arsenal against him. Nothing works. Yep. So when a person like that decides they don't want to play nice anymore, like. What do you do? Right. The uh, well, I'm definitely gonna give it another chance. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not done with it. I just the, I got really overwhelmed. You the know? book is really great. Uh, the more Homelander comes into into the comics, mm. the more like nefarious and that diabolical. Yeah, he is, and I really appreciate in the um, in the show they kind of dial that back for him. Let yeah. everyone else take it, and the Homelander in the show seems more above. All of that, like, petty, uh, you, like, mindlessly killed a human being by fucking them to death. I think... That's below me. I think they're slowly easing us into it. Yeah. Because, like, in, like you said, in the books, there's... In the books, it's In the books, there's... He's vicious. He's also blatantly vicious. There's, like... And petty and... There's there's panels of him, like, eating a baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see this. Yeah, it gets bad, and it gets bad quick. Like, you quickly find out this person is a monster. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I think you were, were further... further. We're not as good. Well, like, we're not along as far as we are in the, in the series. Like, we're yeah. definitely, like, you know, Homelander's still more human than he is monster at this point. But I think they're yeah. taking us down that path. Hmm. Yeah. I'm... I'm Glad that I think you said like day one it was already greenlit for a second season. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I I finished the last episode of the first season. I was just like, is there season two? Oh phew, okay. Like, <laughs> well, there's yeah. so much content too. It's hard oh, not to justify yeah. it if it's already a sure thing. Yeah, especially in the in the wake of all the Marvel stuff. Oh yeah, like superhero hype up. This shit sells. Oh yes, yeah. get this show that's like nah, superheroes are. Dick bags. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but what if? Like yeah. that's the boys is the thought experiment. What if our, he- yeah, what if our heroes are not so heroic? Yeah, there's definitely like cool conflict, but it's it's more of a thought experiment of what happens when you get superheroes that are like man children, mm-hmm. and then yeah. they're spoiled brats. Not only that, they're like they're also unqualified. Oh yeah, like none of them know like to actually save anything. Yeah, like none of them know the proper way. To save someone, like... Yeah. And 
one of the more famous parts of the show, I think, they try to stop, like, a hijacking in a plane. Oh, yeah, like, they totally None of them know how to fly a plane. None of them know how to deal with, like, a yep. terror situation, and they fuck it up. That was hilarious. She's like, go under the plane and lift it up, and Homelander's like, lift it. Lift it. What the fuck do I push it up against? Um, yeah. There's no ground. It's the air. Push and up it, against what? The air? Yeah. And if it goes, and if I get the resistance, I'll punch through the hull. Like, why? Yeah. That's a dumb idea. And that's, like, the conversation they have. Like, yeah, like, Homelander, like, but, burns his eye lasers through one of the terrorists in the cockpit. And, like, yeah, and it just of course, just casually just, like, ignites the control panel. And he's yeah. just like, oh, whoops. Well, I guess that's fucked. Everyone's going down. Uh, all right. Off. Woo. Our bad. Like, so, yeah. Like. Yeah. I'm excited for second season. Uh, I'm glad that it got, that it did as well as it did. Um, Matt, it's been really great. Yeah, thanks for having to me. You. Um, Very interesting. I had no idea there was a difference between paleontology and archaeology. Dinosaurs. I'm just fucking with you. I totally Not yet, anyway. I don't think we've ever had anyone of this caliber or nature, so thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. You're Special stimulating man. my brain senses. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, and... Um, totally come back. Yeah, Let's talk about more man. stuff. You know, it doesn't just have to be archaeology or the boys. Like, anything else you're nerding out on. Oh, yeah. Like, I, any movies? I'm a subtle nerd, but, like, yeah. still waters, they run deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's coming out of that nerd closet, everybody. And we're here <laughs> well, to support him. <laughs> fully out of the nerd closet. Coming out as a nerd! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, just got so much. Hell yeah. Well, your, so your nerd, nerd river runs deep and it's wide, you yeah. know? Yeah. So. Very girthy way. That sounds mm. hot. <laughs> girthy. <laughs> On that note. Mikey, if you wanted to get the the next issue of The Boys, mm. where might you go to get it? Well, I'd probably go to Krypton Comics. Would you? Oh. Yeah. Here, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. Proud supporter of the Weekly Geekly. For some reason, they're still putting up with us, and we don't know why. And they're nice people. Yeah, they're they're patient, I guess you would say. So thank you all. Go check out Krypton Comics, 125th and Center Street in Omaha, Nebraska. Really cool guys. Buy and sell old vintage toys and got a shit ton of comics. No. Tell them the Weekly Geekly sent you, and they'll probably just kick you out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, those guys. Yeah, get out. Mm-hmm. You. Oh, but you. You can try it. You can try it. You Why need not? to leave. I'd actually like to hear what happens. But as <laughs> always, I've been Zach Cook. And I am Mikey Colshin Sheen Sean. And with us has been. Oh, I'm Matt Zemeski. What was that one more time? Matt Zemeski. One more time for the back row. My name is Zach Cook. Ah! It was at this moment that he knew. Really? He fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> DJ taking care of business. Fist away from your face, about a fist away from your, from your mouth. The old Joe Rogan test. Oh yeah, you want to pull that about a fist away from your mouth? You want to be about a fist away? <laughs> Joe Rogan getting everybody to look like he's. Yeah. You want to get about a fist away? Yeah. Solid fist, fist and a half. Was maybe. A, there was one I was listening to, like the last one he did. I cannot remember who the fuck it was. Um, 
Oh, it's gonna kill me now because it was like. It's gonna kill you! Uh, oh, it was Maynard James Keenan. That's who it was. When he talked to Maynard James Keenan, there's a point in there where he's talking about like CBD oil and whatever, and Keenan's like kind of on the fence about it. Um, and you can tell Rogan starts to go down this conversational path, and then. <laughs> Keenan's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try it, Joe. Good, <laughs> good try. I'm not going to do CBD on your show. Good try. <laughs> Once again, Joe's trying to... And Joe's just like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You got me. <laughs> Next time I'll get you. That's funny. But, all right. Well, you want to you wanna intro it. This is your man here. Yeah. Give him the old one, too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. <laughs> 